0: Hey guys, welcome to episode seven of the VoiceOver Roadmap podcast. On today's show, we have a guest co host, John Melly. John is a voiceover talent, as well as the production director for Boston's Mix 104.1. And John also has his own podcast, the VoiceOver Marketing Podcast. On this episode, John and myself talk a bit about voiceover marketing, different ways to do so, different kinds of people and prospects, and how to market yourself to different prospects and to clients, and all the different scenarios that go along with voiceover marketing. And we also answered your performance, audio, and business questions for this week. And just a reminder, if you'd like to submit a question for a future episode of the show, you can do that at voiceoverroadmap.com slash questions. And if you want to check out the show notes for this episode, you can do that at voiceoverroadmap.com slash zero zero seven. And you can check out the show on iTunes, on YouTube, or right on the voiceoverroadmap.com website. And if you like the show and could leave a review and a rating on iTunes, that would be great as well. So let's jump into episode seven with guest co-host, John Melly. Hey, John, how's it going? Great, Michael. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for being here. Appreciate it.
1: Hey, very welcome. Thank you for having me and asking me to be
0: on your show. Congratulations on your podcast. Ah, oh, thank you so much. Yeah. Um. So yeah, before we jump into our questions for this episode, I'd like to just introduce you a little bit to the audience and uh, talk about your history in voiceover and how you got started. So can you bring us back to how you very first got started in voiceover and uh, how your career really started moving forward?
1: I like to say that it is hours and hours of misspent youth finally paying off Michael <laughs> um, I was always a kid who was doing imitations of the teachers and and okay. recapping Saturday night Live and Monday morning homeroom <laughs> uh, I wasn't the class clown I didn't get in a lot of trouble but I was I was that person that got known for doing imitations and voices and sound effects. And so I decided I wanted to be a radio guy. I had uh, family members in radio. Uh, Both my great uncle on my mother's side played the organ for the old Yankee Radio Network years and years ago. And I also had another cousin on my father's side who was a newscaster on an AM radio station back in the 70s when they were playing... Uh, rock and roll music uh, back in the 70s before Mm -hmm. FM really took off. So the possibility of radio was pretty real for me because I knew of or had heard of family members who had done it before. So I went into uh, college with an eye to getting into communications because I thought that's what you needed to do to get into radio broadcasting. And I went to the University of Massachusetts at Amherst and they said, um, communications is full you will be a history major and <laughs> being the good firstborn son that I am and uh, doing what I was told, I went, Oh, okay. <laughs> and, uh, was a history major. And I was like, uh, what am I going to do with this? And so I was talking with somebody in my dorm and this was back in the eighties. I'm dating myself, but, uh, I graduated college at, from UMass and Amherst, uh, in 1989 and, uh, with a degree in political science. Uh, because somebody said, history, you might want something a little more hands-on. You should try political science. And I said, you can change your major? And they <laughs> said, yes. And so I, um, I, ju- I jumped into political science. I loved it. I learned an awful lot. I'm a big history buff. So even though I didn't want to be a history major, I still love history, uh, uh, American history in particular, Revolutionary War era history. So I I did that and I I should back up a second Michael and say that to pay for college I was a meat cutter and I yeah yeah I made hamburger I cut up chickens oh wow yeah and um it this has a purpose I'm telling you and uh (laughs) so (laughs) there's a reason I'm sharing this with you and so I graduated from college I went to work for my parents who had a a retail stationery office supply greeting card shop we did a lot of social printing and um I wound up working on some political campaigns. I'd left my family business for a time and uh, wound up working in the Massachusetts legislature and as a research analyst and my first boss in the Massachusetts state house said to me, "John, if you like laws and you like sausage, you'd hate to see how we make both." <laughs> and having made sausage being a meat cutter. Yeah, right. And, and having witnessed the legislative process, uh, she was right. It ain't pretty, <laughs> but it does work. And I know people are really, I'm not going to get political, but it, it, people are really frustrated now, but it's intended to be frustrating. It's not supposed to be one side gets their way all the time. Hopefully, at some point down the road, we can come back to that idea of achieving consensus where everybody kind of walks away. Yeah, okay, I think we can live with that. Um, but who knows? Only time will tell. But uh, moving on from that, I uh, I I really met some interesting people. I've met presidents, I've met governors, mayors, all kinds of really fascinating people. And uh, but I I really had this whole thing of hey, you know this really isn't for me. Uh, there's no closure. You'd get through one law, it would become law and get passed, and then they'd make up regulations for it. And I got hired away. Uh, by a trade association i became a lobbyist for the massachusetts association of realtors in the mid-90s and uh all of this was going on while i was going to broadcasting school at night because i was saying you know this is great but remember that dream you had about getting into radio what happened mm-hmm. so i went to broadcasting school at night and uh then I, uh, I had a production teacher, Dick Durante, who just passed away this year, uh, was my mentor, and a uh, very, very creative man. He, he took me under his wing. He you know he heard some of the stuff I was doing, and he really liked it, and I started board-opping at, at the radio station that he was the production director for, and then it became a part-time position, then it became a part-time copywriting position, and then... In the late 90s, I got signed into AFTRA, SAG-AFTRA, and um, then I I jumped from, I was at Oldies 103, which was a a top 10 radio station in Boston in the market, and then I transferred over to Mix 104.1, and I've been with Mix since 2001, and been growing my freelance business and producing commercials for them since, for about 17 years now.
0: Wow. Awesome. So were you one of those people who maybe had some troubles uh, shedding that radio voice for uh, jobs that need you to be conversational? I know a lot of people come from uh, radio backgrounds, and that's kind of like a common thing that I think comes up sometimes. Was that ever an issue for you?
1: Yeah, I hear that a lot. I, I, you know, others could say yes, but it hasn't been a problem for me. I've never been a DJ. That's actually something. Yeah, that's something that um, I forgot to mention is that when I went to broadcasting school at night, I mean, you know, I I bought a microphone. Let's step back for a second. I knew I wanted to do something. So I went to Radio Shack and bought a microphone and some cables and plugged it into my tape deck at home. And I, I just started babbling. I said, but I realized. Within minutes, literally. Uh, I don't have any structure. I don't have any kind of a format. I need something to kind of guide me through this thing. You know, I can't just wing this Uh uh, and just, you know, like I'd be in a brown paper bag trying to fight my way out. I didn't know what I didn't know. So I knew I needed to find some structure and an outlet and something that could guide me through it. So that's why I went to broadcasting school. And when I went there, I thought I wanted to be a DJ. But then when I found out what DJs do, or more importantly to me, what they didn't do, I was frustrated Mm -hmm. because I was thinking, oh, gosh, you know, this isn't what I expected. Is this for me? And it wasn't until I took radio production where I finally said, aha, this is for me. Because in production, I can write, I can edit, I can voice, I can select the music, I can collect all the sound effects that are necessary, I can perform the different voices that I want to perform. So I've always positioned myself as a voice talent that works at a radio station primarily. I'm on contract, so I'm a contract employee with them. Um, So the radio station and CBS is my biggest client. That's the way I position myself right and um, so in terms of the radio voice of the hey everybody you know, just <laughs> 10 minutes past the big hour of uh, four o'clock in the afternoon uh, now I didn't, I can do it but I don't want to sure
0: <laughs> <laughs> unless I have to but um, yeah. yeah if they ask you for it sure <laughs> right. Yeah, Gotcha. Um, Okay, so I know that you are the host of the voiceover marketing podcast, which we'll talk about for sure in a little bit. But I have a few of my own sort of voiceover marketing questions for you before we jump into our audience questions. So my first one would be, uh, there's a lot of different ways to market yourself as a voiceover talent. And I've always been a big proponent of, you know, trial and error and seeing what works for you and what doesn't work, and then uh, putting more time and energy into the things that are getting your results. So have you found a certain one, two, or maybe more specific methods of marketing that have been most successful for you, be it, you know, emailing, cold calling, direct mail, networking in person, just any of them?
1: Sure. Uh, that's a great question. And all of those are valid ways of marketing yourself. Though, mm-hmm. The stuff that's worked for me the best it has been in-person networking. Uh, interesting. Yeah. Um, I have approached marketing differently from a lot of people. I like to be places where no one else is. And I've talked about that before. Um, it's one of the tenets of my podcast itself is, you know, there's been a lot of... Um, talk or discussion and coverage of the pay-to-play sites lately in our industry,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and the problem with the pay-to-play sites, and I'm not going to single out any one in particular. It's just the problem I have with that, and and I've gotten clients from them don't, um, from the big ones mm-hmm. um, that people know, and so they work. Uh, the problem with those sites is that you're a commodity, and you are there with literally. Thousands of people who have voices. And if you want to cut that number in half based on your gender, if they're looking for a male or a female, you're still among thousands of people that can, (laughs) you know, provide that service. So I like to be where other people aren't. And so I have shown up and marketed my voiceover services to people in areas where nobody else is marketing voiceover services. So I have no competition. And then it becomes the referral game. And sometimes I get an endorsed mailing from a thought leader in a particular industry and I just drill down. And so in the areas that I've focused on, I have no competition and I own it.
0: Yeah, no, that's great. I actually myself have not done a lot of in-person networking, so I'm interested in that. Um, What kind of do you go to conferences? Is it more just speaking with business owners one on one? What kind of things do you go to or put yourself into do that kind of marketing.
1: I, I go to conferences and I, okay. I, and I, and I aim for, uh, and I haven't done so much recently. Uh, I used to travel an awful lot for that and do different trade shows. Um, I've, right. I've cut back on it quite a bit in the last few years, just because, and this will, this dovetails into other things and other areas of voiceover and, um, Parts of my life that I've made conscious decisions to make changes to Uh, I was traveling a lot working hard and I you know, I started to develop some health issues maybe six seven years ago and didn't like the direction I was going in and so I uh, focused more on working locally and marketing Mm -hmm. locally and working with a network but also working on taking care of myself and I've done some webinars on a new uh, thing that I'm doing about the voice over athlete, we can talk about that if you'd like later on, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, because if uh, my tagline for that is a healthy body means a healthy voice. And if we don't yeah, take, I agree. <laughs> yeah, if, if we don't take care of ourselves, it doesn't matter how hard we work. It doesn't matter. I, I mean, I, Michael, I don't say this to brag, but there was one year where I made more money than I ever made in my life. I was working full-time at CBS, and I was making over six figures in my freelance business, and uh, it takes a toll, and yeah. that was awesome until I had to pay for the ambulance ride and all that kind of stuff, so, <laughs> wow. y- yeah, y- yeah, y- yeah. Y- you know, and thankfully, I'm healthy. It was, just, you know, it was, what it was was I had a couple of kidney stones, but I was I was working till four o'clock in the morning, getting up, putting a post-it note on the bathroom mirror for my wife to say, okay, set the alarm for nine o'clock, She'd set the alarm for nine o'clock. I'd grab a cup of coffee, out the door, lather, rinse, repeat. Come home wow. and edit, you know. And I was doing that for months. And yeah, I made a ton of money. But um,
0: you it know, catches up to you. Yeah, yeah,
1: it, it does. You can't do it. And I, I turned fifty this year, and I'm 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 in better shape now than I was at forty, and I, I'm not doing that again. So. I work hard, but I also really try and balance that with rest. And that's one of the reasons why I've cut back a lot on my travel.
0: Sounds like the uh, smart move.
1: You got an answer you didn't expect.
0: (laughs) Yeah. yeah.
1: Everybody does it. Everybody's going to run into it eventually. I, I see it all the time. And it's one of those things where you sit there and you go um you'd better slow down you're gonna one way or another you're going to make the decision to slow
0: down or your body will decide for you exactly yeah you can keep it up for a little bit but uh yeah i think everyone you know that that the time span might be different for different people but i think it's going to catch up with everyone at some point or another if you kind of keep that going yeah man but um so at some of these like uh conferences and stuff would you, like, hand out a business card to people? Because voiceover, you know, it's it's an audio thing, so you kind of want people to hear hear you. So uh, I'm assuming you're not going around with a tape recorder and uh, playing your demo for people on headphones or something. Are you just sort of talking to people, saying hi, giving them a business card, that kind of thing? No. Oh, okay. So what are you doing?
1: <laughs> what am I doing? I've created products and services using my voice over talent and my production skills. And I would have an exhibit booth at a conference and ah, okay. I would have gotcha. flyers and I would have audio CDs and I would say, you need
0: one of these. That's great. Yeah, yeah. 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 Cause if they could hear you, I mean, that's, that's a huge thing for this, obviously. I mean, voiceover, like I said, it's an audio thing. So, yeah. okay, cool. Very cool. Good to know. So a lot of the time people sort of get confused and have questions with a follow-up plan, you know, it's, you, you can kind of understand, okay, I got to market myself. I got to email, cold call, whatever it is. I got to get in front of people. But then beyond that, you know, that's, that's not the end of it. You know, they still got to follow up with people and sort of stay on their radar and stuff. So what's something that you might recommend for somebody who has reached out, be it an email, cold call, whatever, and gotten a response. So, so the client came back and said, Hey man, yeah, it looks good. Your demo sound good. Website sounds good, whatever it is. And then they haven't hired you, and you haven't heard from them for weeks, months, years, maybe. Uh, what are some ways that you might follow up with somebody in a situation like that?
1: Uh, well, the first thing I would do is ask if it's okay for the you for you to follow up with them. Mm-hmm. you know I've, i have I have this going on right now with a couple of prospects, and I've got somebody who's interested in purchasing some services from me, and you know the the range of reasons why they're holding off. Probably it's, it's has nothing <laughs> to do with you, you know, Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It, it could be that they're moving. It could be that the pers they have personnel changes or whomever they were thinking of using this service for suddenly doesn't need it anymore. Um So I think a lot of people in voiceover take it personally. And I've done so myself when they say, yeah, no, not now, you know, and yeah. It it ain't about you most of the time. It's about what their timetable is. But, you know, what I said to this person who actually said, you know, we're thinking about changing it up. My first question to them was, well, is it okay if I follow up with you in a couple of weeks? 95% of the time they're going to say, yeah, that's fine. And so one of the episodes of my podcast, I actually talked about this. We did a whole episode on using Evernote. I don't know if you're familiar with Evernote. Yeah, I love Evernote. Yep. Yeah. And so I set up reminders for myself. Like, okay, Mm -hmm. two weeks, email Keith, um, follow up with Rachel, you know, that kind of thing. And it just pops up. I can even select the time that I want to do it. And then there are Uh, other things that I've done that have automated things, uh, so that, you know, once a week people get something, if they're on my email list for the podcast, they get, you know, pinged with, you know, Hey, if you haven't listened to this episode, here's why you should. And then, you know, go check that out and all that kind of good stuff. So Mm -hmm. I always ask, it's, I think they call that permission based marketing for whatever <laughs> reason. But um, yeah, I like to ask, and rarely does anybody say no to me. And I just follow up with them and, and, and keep on keeping on. You know, I won't, uh, over time, I might back it off a little bit. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I always keep a list of people and leads that have expressed an interest.
0: Right. So they're good. They go on some sort of a mailing list, and you know, you'll touch base here and there, you know, whatever the interval is, just to kind of. You know, you want, you want them to remember you basically is the idea, I guess, right? Yeah, sure. Awesome. And uh, so, you know, marketing is, I think, generally thought of in terms of marketing yourself to prospects and people that you haven't worked with yet and trying to get new work. But um, sort of... In line with what we were just talking about, I think it's also important to continue to market yourself to your existing clients so that even if it's somebody who you haven't worked with for months or a year or multiple years, you know, they don't forget about you and you can stay on their radar and they can, if they have a project coming up that you might be a good fit for, you know, they can reach out to you, get an audition, talk to you about it. Um, Do you have any specific tips or strategies on ways that you would market yourself to an existing client, somebody that you have already worked with?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, and I used to be a lot, I'm going to be perfectly candid with you. I used to be a lot better about this than I am currently, mm-hmm. but one of the most effective things that people can do is give them a newsletter yeah. and people are like, I don't want to do a newsletter. <laughs> and, and I understand it because it's, it's, it takes work, but the, the idea behind a newsletter and I should really take my own advice because it's been a bit since I published mine, but it, it works and people are bored. So people want to be entertained. And Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about an email newsletter. I'm talking about a hard paper and ink newspaper newsletter that you mail because nobody gets mail anymore. They only get bills. They get junk mail, so to speak. (laughs) But if if you send somebody a newsletter in an envelope with their name on it and it's entertaining, then... They're going to, it's just, it's something tangible and they're going to share it with people. The the thing is, a lot of people go, well, I, you know, I don't know what I'd write about for, and I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't make that voice, Um, (laughs) 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 but that's what I do. So here I go. Yeah. Anyway, um, you know, but I can't just make a newsletter up about voiceover. How long is that going to be? Won't that be Mm. boring? Yes, it will be. And no, it doesn't have to be about voiceover. It can be about you, what's going on in your world, client of the month kind of a thing, trivia, word searches, all kinds of fun stuff. Just make it entertaining because, like I said, people are bored and companies don't buy. People in companies make buying decisions. So-
0: Yeah. And that's memorable. That's memorable. I mean, that'll make you stand out from, you know, 20 marketing emails or email newsletters that they get, you know, doing something like that. Um, That goes, that goes well with your theme of, you know, being where people aren't like networking and doing in a print newsletter. Um, Those are things that I would probably assume a lot of talent don't really take advantage of and don't try. And uh, yeah, I like that. I like that idea of just stepping outside the box a little bit and doing things that people don't necessarily do all the time to sort of stand out and be, be memorable. And, and it's great.
1: Yeah, and I mean I don't I mean I don't want to bring on a ton of competition, but I don't know why <laughs> I, I don't know why every voiceover talent doesn't have a podcast. I mean, really. You've got yeah, everything I, you, you mm-hmm. get, I mean, I know I'm talking to the converted here, but I mean <laughs> really, I mean we've got all the equipment. We've always right. got something to say. Yep. So rock on with your bad self and you know, get out there. You know, years ago I got interviewed by a guy a guy by the name of Steve Tringali, and um, he said that uh, anybody who has a website has their own broadcast facility. And that's true. And he said that to me probably, I don't know, 12 years ago. It's more true now than it ever has been. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, it, it's beyond me why people aren't doing it. It's huge. It's going to explode. Cars are becoming portable smart, uh, uh, smartphones on wheels. I mean yeah, the iTunes yeah. icon is gonna be on stuff. Your, yeah, 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 it's It's going to be on your dashboard, you know? So yeah. um podcasting hey,
0: podcasting's huge and it's only growing i mean i i don't know if it's a case of now that i started a podcast i'm paying more attention to it and i'm seeing it noticing it more places or that it's just is more places but like i've noticed uh commercials for it uh in the subways here in new york i've noticed ads for i saw one yesterday for uh title now how title which is like jay-z's uh you know spotify kind of music streaming service now has their own podcast platform and uh Yeah, it's just it's it's getting bigger and bigger, and there's more and more of them out there. So I think it's definitely a good medium to take advantage of for sure. Yeah,
1: but most people won't. (laughs)
0: Yeah, that's that's probably true. You know, maybe over time. Maybe over time. I'm not really
1: worried about saying it because most people won't do it. So anyway,
0: it's work. You know, it's work, and it's a time investment. Um, yeah, you know, and it's it takes a bit to kind of get up and running with it, but I think it can really be. a good, a good thing to try out, especially for a voiceover talent, you know, who has the equipment, who has the skill set, who has really everything that a lot of other entry level podcasters probably don't have up front. So, yeah. Right. But, um, yeah, so let's, let's talk a little bit about your podcast. I think it's a good segue. So, okay. uh, you have a podcast, the voiceover marketing podcast, uh, give people a little overview about, you know, what it is, what kind of stuff you discuss and, uh, the format of the show and just people who aren't familiar with it, uh, let them know a little bit about it. Sure, so thank you, first of all.
1: Um, yeah. yeah, it's the Voiceover Marketing podcast, and it is what it is. It is exactly what the title is. It's, it's about growing your voiceover business. And I basically approach the podcast with the mindset of pretty much every business is the same. And I'm not the first not Dan Kennedy and Bill Glazer, who are two marketing geniuses who I've studied a lot and know um, and have done some work with. You know They preach, every business is the same, and they're constantly fighting the, but my business is different, and it really isn't. If you think about it, every business needs to attract customers, provide high-quality products and services for a fee or exchange of of goods and services or money or what have you, Mm -hmm. Um, have a satisfied customer, and have them referring other people to come and do business with you, and have them do business with you again. That's pretty much what every business needs to do. So what I've tried to do is, while I have several people from the voiceover industry and profession as my guests, I've done that strategically, and I can elaborate on that more later, but I've purposefully also had people not in voiceover who are successful people, successful marketers. Ah, cool, yeah. in talk about it because, what you can do with one business, you can apply to voiceover. And so I have them there. The other, the other thing that I focus a lot on, and I'm sorry, I'm not being very articulate right now, I'm kind of working without a net, but is that we should be using our talents of voiceover, and if you do production, great, but we should be creating our own products and services, which I've talked about earlier in the podcast, to market and sell, because that way you're creating assets for your business that can generate revenue over and over and over and over again. Whereas if you're doing a voiceover, you know, I learned a long time ago, unless you're syndicated or put out across the country and you're getting the national fees and the residuals and all that kind of stuff, which are nice, but Mm -hmm. I only have one mouth, you know? And so what I really want to do is leverage my time and create things that can do work for me over and over and over
0: again. Right, right, yeah.
1: And so that's, you know... I've used this example a lot that, you know, wh- what are your interests? What are your passions aside from voiceover? What are your life experiences? What are you good at? What do you know stuff about? And then find an audience. I mean, and create products and services using your talents and then sell them. So, like, if you a big butterfly collector and i always use the butterfly collector i don't know any i don't collect butterflies (laughs) i do have a beehive but i don't collect butterflies um kind of close yeah (laughs) (laughs) they are pollinators at any rate um (laughs) but if you're a a world-renowned butterfly collector start creating audio products on butterflies and start selling them I mean, you put them yeah. on ACX, on Amazon, and whatever eBay, whoever, wherever you want. I mean, the world is your oyster. Go create, yep. and uh, create assets that build value for your business. That's 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 really the voiceover marketing podcast. We can talk about tactics and strategies and email sequences and all that kind of stuff. But over that, you know, it's like once you've done that. And you've got that all in place. You got to kind of lather, rinse, repeat, and keep going with it. But where you can create products that and services that are going to last you for years, then you know you should do it. And then the neat thing is, and that that's where that's what I mean about showing up where no one else is, Michael. You know, I Mm -hmm. I mean, how many butterfly voiceover specialists do you know? (laughs) Uh, None. (laughs) Right. So you can be the voiceover butterfly specialist or butterfly voiceover specialist and be, you know, sorry, I just hit my mic. You can be like world renowned within that niche of uh, Mm -hmm. butterfly enthusiasts.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no. And yeah, finding your segment and your target. uh, I think that's huge. Yeah, that is. And And growing an audience. And yeah, like you said, there's only so many hours in the day. So even if you, you know, had your day wall to wall filled with projects and stuff, if you have these other avenues of stuff that are working for you, you know, on their own, then that, you know, can take things to the next level. Yeah, man. Yeah, no, that's great. And uh, yeah, let's talk a little bit about that VoiceOver Athlete program, because that sounded interesting, and I don't really know anything about that. Yeah, what is it? <laughs> Let us know a little bit about
1: sure. it. Sure. Well, yeah, it's a work in progress. Okay. Um, I actually did a webinar. Do you know John Florian and VoiceOver Extra? I do, yeah. Yeah, I did a webinar with him back in December, um, and basically, it's all about, uh, it's far ranging. It, it, you could go on forever, but basically, what I'm working on is... Uh, the voiceover athlete book i'm in the process of putting something together and the webinar consisted of a bunch of mobility drills uh and movements that are designed to help people who sit at a computer and a microphone all day long Mm -hmm. and you know we're developing these postures and all that and that aren't really healthy you know we weren't designed to sit at a computer and click a mouse all day long yeah definitely Uh, And if you think of every mouse click as a mini push-up and however many reps you do a day, you're really overstimulating certain parts of your body and understimulating other parts. And so I've, like I said, I had some health issues that were developing uh, six, seven years ago. And I've, I voiceover actually was kind of the vehicle for all of this. It's fascinating how everything comes back to that. I was producing a podcast intro for a guy who was doing kettlebells. And I had heard <laughs> from other people and a business coach saying, you know, kettlebells, Russian kettlebells are a great way to lose weight. And so I was talking to this guy I was producing the intros for, and he says, oh, you know what you should do? And he was down in Florida. He says, you should Google Russian certified kettlebell trainer in Boston. And I did that, and up came this guy. And anyway, m- my trainer is Mondla Nkosi. He's been my trainer for the last... Uh, five and a half years now. And I went to go train with him to learn how to use kettlebells. And, I've always been an active guy, you know, I played soccer growing up, I played, I ran track in high school, Uh, you know, I played in a marching band, hauling a 25-pound brass saxophone around a football field while blowing into it, you know, so I mean, I was always active, and then, you know, you went to college, you discovered beer and fried food, and then you go work (laughs) somewhere and sit in a cubicle all day, and then that doesn't work well, and so... (laughs) I wanted to get some of that back. And he basically took me through this whole protocol of mobility, basically wanted to see what I could do. And he said, okay, you're, you're strong, but you can't move very well. And so he b- didn't let me touch a kettlebell for like three months. And we went through this whole mobility protocol to get everything moving again. Because he said, you know, John, we could work all of this stuff, but we would just be piling muscle on top of bad joint function and then you're going to get hurt and mm-hmm. so what we want and then we're going to have to undo all of that so let's get everything moving in the right way in the right form and then we can start to load it and move it and it's just it's been a i don't really know where else to take this in this short period of time it's too much to cover and um, we've been going 35 minutes already so at any rate it's been a fascinating journey and i thought you know what this can be used with voiceover And I actually have had some coaching clients that I've taken through some of these mobility drills and seen dramatic improvements in the quality of their vocal performance. Everything matters. Everything's connected, you know? I mean, the hip bone connected to the thigh bone. (laughs) If you have a problem in your foot, it might not just be in your foot. It could be in your hand, you know? And I mean, if you've ever hurt your back and you try and make accommodations so that you don't move your backs and you continue to walk around for two or three days with a bad back and then all of a sudden your knee starts to hurt and then the foot starts to hurt because you're loading it differently than you usually do. That's for a reason. Everything's connected. So if we have bad movement and bad movement fluency, that is going to have a direct impact on the quality of our voice, the health of our voice, And our ability for uh, endurance and vocal quality, breath quality, all of that. It's all tied together. Another thing that's really tied together with all of it, uh, and it's it's something that I've been really focusing a lot lately, is inflammation. The amount of dietary inflammation that people have uh, from refined sugars, refined grains, and vegetable oils, and unhealthy fats, If if you're inflamed, you're not going to breathe as well so diet matters so it everything's tied together and so the idea of the voiceover athlete is that if you use your body to do your work which we do then we're an athlete same as a basketball football tennis gymnast we all use our bodies to perform we can't do our work without it so we might as well take care of it the best we can sorry i went on my rant
0: I'm no, passionate no, about. It. I agree, I agree with all that. Yeah, I mean, taking care of yourself, it really does show through and make a difference. Even something as uh, you know, seemingly simple as just, you know, staying hydrated, getting a good night's sleep, it makes a difference in uh, how you feel and then that comes through on the mic. Yeah. Same way like if you do a read and uh and you try it one way and then you try smiling, you know, as you read. You think like, well, you're just reading into the microphone. How is somebody going to tell if you're smiling or not? You could tell. If you listen to it, it it comes through. Um, you know, the mic picks that kind of stuff up. It really does. It
1: it does, and the human brain picks it up. I mean, yeah. we are wired to interpret people. I mean, think of the th- tens of thousands of years or millions of years of evolution that have gone uh, into being able to pick up cues from other human beings. You know, I yeah. mean, have you ever read the book The Gift of Fear? I haven't. Okay, it's a really cool book. It's a, it's a it's an older book. I think it might have come out in the '90s, but it's by Gavin de Becker. And I'm not here to trip everybody out on, on getting scared or anything like that. But one of the things he talks about is our intuition and it speaks directly to the whole, can you hear a smile thing? And Mm -hmm. he, he said, have you ever been in a car where you're behind somebody and you see the car in front of you and you say, that guy is going to cut me off or he's going to make a quick turn either left or right Uh, into my lane. How many times have we done that? Yeah. And, we, and, and sure enough, it happens, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You can't see that person's face. They're ahead of you. They're in a car. You're right, in a car. Right. You're separated by feet. You're not even talking to this person. <laughs> yeah, and and yet you know what they're going to do. So, yeah, you can hear his smile. And, yeah, you can hear when somebody's not feeling good.
0: And, mm-hmm. yeah, you, you know, so, yeah, you got to take care of it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's yeah, that's really interesting, actually, that putting it into those uh, in in terms of that analogy. And that's that story. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Anything else uh, voiceover related that you have going on that you'd like to uh, talk about before we jump into these audience questions?
1: I think that, you know, that covers it. That's pretty good. A few morsels for people to chew
0: on. Huh? Okay, cool. Yeah, and uh, links to everything will be in the show notes for you guys. So if uh, you'd like to check out John's website and, uh, you know, his podcast, everything he's got going on, check out the show notes. Links will all be there for you. Thank you, Michael. Yeah, no problem. So let's jump into uh, these audience questions. So our first question is our performance question. And uh, this week it comes from Kenny. And Kenny asks, is the conversational read style a trend or here to stay? Uh, Yeah. What are your thoughts on that one, John? Um...
1: I think it's here to stay, but that doesn't mean Mm -hmm. it has to stay in its present form. Okay. What do you mean by that? Well, I think all things evolve. You know, I mean, the movie trailer voice, uh, to pick a different genre for an example, um, Uh you know, before it was the voice of God, it was pretty straightforward read. It was... I mean, there was... Oh,
0: yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, you know, yeah, the, the real old-fashioned kind yeah, the, of movie trailers. Star Wars. If, go watch yeah. the Star Wars trailer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. Back yeah.
1: in the 70s, watch that and compare it to yeah.
0: Star Wars. You know, I mean, it's just... Yeah, but it, or like uh, the recent Star Wars trailer, yeah.
1: Yeah, and so it's going to evolve. And I think the conversational style is definitely something that people want. But even that will evolve. So, Mm -hmm. and you hear it now. I mean, like I said, I got one foot in the door before, you know, the internet and one foot on the other side of the door post-internet. And it's pretty amazing the amount of language and acronyms that have evolved in the last 20 years. So, you know, even texting. So you're hearing like little things that people put into their text messages in radio copy like lol omg i can't believe that i missed that sale at such and such you know yeah uh, you hear that stuff so it it's going to change but i think it's the conversational thing is it's going to be around for a good long while but it will evolve
0: yeah, I agree. I don't think it's some sort of fad that, you know, a couple of months from now, it's going to be like, oh, everything is uh announcer monster truck kind of reads again. Like, I don't think it's that kind of thing. But um, yeah, I agree with what you said. I think it might change and evolve over time for sure. I, it's an interesting
1: question. I, I wonder what the motivation behind it was is because, well, I mean, and conversational reading and performance uh, is really what the way, I think is the way we should categorize it the Mm -hmm. conversational performance is is difficult because you're taking someone else's words and they are writing with a cadence and a style that they're hearing inside their head and you've got to somehow take that off a piece of paper and make it sound like it's authentic to you Mm -hmm. and and so it's difficult so if the question is genesis is to like uh can i skip this no, I don't think you can. Yeah, I, think you, I agree. Yeah, yeah you I, can't. <laughs> yeah, I think you need to work on it. So I hope that I
0: yeah, mean, take that down a yeah, level. No, totally agree. If if that was like the motivation behind it was like, well, you know, this isn't something I do. Do I need to put the time in to learn how to do this? I would say it's probably worth your while to do so um, because, yeah, I mean, people want reads that are believable and that sound authentic. And even if the word conversational isn't in the uh, you know in the specs chances are some elements of being conversational, you know, would help your read and would help you come across as a more believable narrator. And as if these words that you're reading are actually your own when they are most likely not. But uh, yeah, no. So Kenny, I would, I think me and John would both agree that it is here to stay the conversational style uh, for some time at least. Um, Yeah. So let's move over to our audio question, which comes from Jen and Jen asks, What are some good tips or things to keep in mind for mixing music and sound effects with my voiceovers, just in case a client asks for these services? So I know you do some production, John. So uh, yeah, why don't you take a stab at this one?
1: Sure. Well, thanks, Jen, for your question. And oh, Kenny, thank you too for the previous question. I should say that. Um, So a really good tip for mixing music and sound effects with voiceovers is it's it's a complex question, but generally you want there's this concept of audio masking and um, there's a great book it's really thick but it answers a lot of these things it's from a guy that i studied with his name is alex case c a s e and i think his book is called sound effects and that's sound the word sound and then the letters fx i think i've got that right if i've got i've got a link to it in my Recommended reading list at the VoiceOver Marketing Podcast. But one thing, one concept that he talked about over and over, and this is back in my uh, learning days of production, is the concept of masking. And you want to avoid music that has a preponderance of sounds in a certain frequency that will compete with the voice of the voiceover talent. So, give you an example we have a midday talent here and she will voice commercials and she's got a soprano voice, it, her speaking voice. Like if she was going to sing, she'd be a soprano. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the last thing I'm doing is when I pick out a, a music bed for her is I'm not picking anything with violins or a flute in it or anything like that. It's usually a very rhythmic track with maybe some acoustic guitars, a lot of bass, some rhythm behind it. Uh, but I'm not going to have anything that's going to compete Directly, I'm not going to have any instrumentation that's going to compete directly with her vocal range, so that's one thing that I would do, and that's a, that's the concept of masking. Um, you know, you could get to working on your voice track and getting, you know, the right amount of compression on and EQing and all that kind of stuff, and getting nice crisp s's and all that, and then you put a nice, you know, a pretty cool music bed underneath it with a lot of splashy cymbals. Well, that that cymbal sound is going to wash out all that yeah. crispness that you have in your S's and other sil- sibilants and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, man. He knows what he's talking about. Yeah. You know, so... Uh,
0: <laughs> no, that's a great tip, yeah. yeah. Music's just the selection of the music in the first place. Yeah, it's a yeah, great
1: tip. So careful when you're picking your music. The other thing that you can do, and what I'll do a lot of is... In my uh, mastering for my voiceover, I will, I'll EQ my voice in a certain frequency range. I'll boost that up a little bit. And that tends to be around 15K with a peak at around 3K. And then it'll drop back down to just right around 8. And then I'll do the opposite. I'll, I'll put a little drop around the same range in the instrumentation yeah. in the EQ. And that'll really make the vocal pop.
0: Yeah, that's a great tip. That's kind of my like quick and dirty go-to, you know, mix a voiceover with a music thing is it's exactly what you just said. You know, just boost a, a frequency range of my own voice that I feel is, you know, nice and present. And then I'll literally just Copy that exact EQ over to the music track and just change it from a boost to a cut, and just cut, you know, on that exact same frequency. Just so what you're basically doing is just carving out a little space on the music, and then you know, boosting your voice over in that exact space, so it kind of comes I, to the comes to the front a little bit.
1: Yeah, I think the um, preset that I have for that is "Make Room for Vocals."
0: <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. That's um, a good title.
1: And uh, the other, but you also want to you want to listen to it you want to listen to it in in a premix because you may find that doing so it sounds really muddy. The other thing is uh-huh. that you want to um you also don't want the floor to drop out on you, you so you have to be careful how much you do it. So you yeah, kind of have to play sure. around with it and get to a point where it sounds good. You know, there's there's the practical knowledge of okay, you know, if I'm going to use a pr- uh, a compression setting, I need to know what the attack and the decay is. But I also need to know, okay, so if I move in this direction, this is generally going to happen. And if I go this way, this yeah. is generally going to happen. So you kind of have to have a working knowledge of, like, where... Y- knowing what to do to get to the direction that you want to go Mm -hmm. if i'm making sense because if you don't have that foundation of like if i do this then this will happen then you could be twisting knobs or clicking arrows and all that kind of stuff all day long and driving yourself (laughs) crazy the other thing i would do is when you get a mix that you think sounds really really cool walk away from it for about 10 15 20 minutes then come back and listen to it with a fresh set of ears because we can really fall in love with our creativity and say, oh, my God,
0: this sounds awesome.
1: And then you come back and play it the next day and you go, why doesn't it sound as cool as I thought it did? (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. that's a great tip for honestly like any sort of creative work is just to take a step back give your ears some time to rest and you know just just give it a fresh listen whatever it is a couple hours a day whatever i mean that's yeah that's something i try to do all the time if i can
1: you got time for one more tip oh
0: yeah absolutely yeah as many as you got
1: (laughs) okay so here's another one when you're listening to find out if you've got the right vocal mix with the you know Uh, So that the the voice stands out over the music, Mm -hmm. turn the volume really down. Bring it way, 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 way down so that you can barely hear it and then bring it up. The first thing that you should hear is your voice. You mm-hmm. should hear your voice before the music. You, you have to imagine somebody sitting in a cubicle at work with the radio on at such a level so that they don't get in trouble with their boss for having music on in the office. And yeah. that's my frame of reference is some poor <laughs> soul sitting in an insurance office processing claims with their favorite radio station trying to win tickets all day long. And they're just got the radio on all day and at a very, 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 very low level. And you want to make sure your voice cuts through. And if the music comes through underneath your voice, that's great. But the, the music of the commercial can't drown out the message or whatever it is that you're trying to do. So start low and then move up and you should hear yourself first.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Something similar to that that I'll do sometimes is I will, li- I'll, I'll play it back through headphones, but not wear the headphones. Just put the headphones on the desk in front of me. And if you do that with like a song or something that you're listening to, or even a commercial, chances are you'll hear the voice clearly. I mean, you got to turn the volume up, obviously, to sure, yeah. Know, probably, yeah, a level that you probably wouldn't listen to it at with the headphones on. But when they're off, you know, you can turn the level up a bit. And you should hear that voice cutting through, um, you know, very clearly over the music. And then, that's yeah. And if, and if that's idea. the case, you know, it should be pretty good.
1: Yeah, that's a great idea. Yes.
0: Yeah, so that's something I'll try to do, uh, you know, from time to time as well. And uh, yes, yeah, those are great tips uh, for you guys for mixing music with voiceovers. And uh, just kind of to reiterate, if you haven't, it doesn't, I'm not sure exactly what Jen's experience was with this kind of stuff, but you should have some sort of working knowledge of EQ and compression if you're going to be messing around with that kind of stuff. To be somebody who has no familiarity with that and is just going to throw those on your mix and start twisting knobs and stuff, yeah, maybe you'll get a good result. But chances are, if you don't really know what you're doing, it'll it'll be tough too. So, uh, you know, spend some time just playing around with that stuff, learning a bit about it. I think before you dive into that.
1: And it's not that I mean, it it looks intimidating, but it, it's really you can learn it in yeah like a
0: half a day. It's you know yeah it's if it's that. not as too crazy yeah.
1: But it's a lifelong of experimentation afterward
0: yeah no for sure yeah it's a lot of experimentation trial and error that's the best way to learn that kind of stuff honestly is moving a knob all the way to one side all right what did that do move it all the way to the other side what did that do and then uh you know just just get comfortable with it
1: well yeah but the what i meant by the experimentation was that it's going to be different for every type of voice and music selection that you make you know i mean ah, very true one yeah, size yeah. does not fit all so just because yeah, no, the definitely. instrumentation <laughs> will be different and
0: Anyway. All right. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, yeah. Okay. So on to our business question. Uh, our business question comes from Tom and Tom says, what are some good tools and software to check out for running a VO business for things like bookkeeping, invoicing, job tracking, et cetera? Uh, yeah. So do you have any go-tos that you like to use in your business?
1: Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hire an accountant. Um, <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> I mean, uh, that's, that's where I'm at. I mean Mm -hmm. really it's a good question Tom and the reason I say it I'm not being flip um I use Microsoft money for bookkeeping and keeping track of my checking account and all that kind of stuff invoicing you know a a lot of stuff I'll use PayPal for just because you can invoice and take credit cards um Mm -hmm. and uh yeah, I mean, I, I'm pretty simple with that stuff. I even have a spreadsheet that I just keep track of all my invoices. And other people talk about, uh, what's that, QuickBooks and Quicken and Quick stuff books like that. QuickBooks and
0: FreshBooks and all, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, nobody else can write a check in my business but me. And I, I think I have my wife on it in case something terrible happens to me. But I have a corporation, mm-hmm. um, so I also have an accountant do stuff. I mean, he files all my returns, keeps me legal. Uh, I use a payroll service when I'm paying myself because they do all the reporting for all the withholding and everybody who's got their finger in my pie Mm -hmm. um, so that everybody's happy and they get all the percentages that they need to get for me. Um, So, you know, know, if I don't like doing that stuff, so I will pay a payroll service to do that for me. Um, It costs me money. Or costs my company money, but for me, the peace of mind knowing that I'm legal and covered, and doing everything that I can to comply with all the you know tax laws and regulations and stuff like that, and I have an accountant that does my returns. I just don't, you know, I want to. Pr- I have all the information that I give to my accountant and the payroll specialist and all that kind of stuff, but then I'm paying them to keep me legal, right. and I'm t- I'm going on about it. But the reason I'm saying this is that I want to focus on the things that I'm really good at. And I'm really good at voicing, writing, and editing and producing. And that's how I want to spend my time. I don't want to spend a ton of time doing the bookkeeping and invoicing and all that kind of stuff. I just, I, it's, I hate it. So um, <laughs> I pay somebody else to do it. And if you can't do that right away, I understand. But you are spending, I call it the hidden tax, because you, you've got to spend all this time to comply with stuff. That time is costing you money. It's time that you're not spending doing voiceovers, doing editing, marketing, uh, yeah. all those things that you need to do to get money coming in the door if you're spending all that time on the paperwork. And, and, and it costs time. And, you know, you've got, I don't want to get on a rent, but, I mean, it's all these, there are all these things that come up the, these forms, when you run in a business and you're doing it the right way, that you're like, oh my God, I got to do this too? And yeah. they got this form? And it's like, oh yeah, the unemployment insurance. Oh, okay. Well, I'm glad that's taken care of for me. Oh, you mean the unemployment insurance rate is going to change this year? Oh yeah, it does. It changes every year. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And it's like- It's a lot of
0: time. <sighs> it adds up. Yeah.
1: There's a lot of it. And if you're doing all that, that's the hidden tax. Yeah. You're, that he- time is costing you money. Absolutely. uh, I think that's the
0: goal is to get to the point, you know, where obviously what no one else is going to be able to do is record a voiceover with your voice. So just have as much of your time as possible being spent doing that and have the other tasks that somebody else can do, like your bookkeeping and everything else, you know, pass that on to somebody else and pay them for it. That's I think the goal is to keep moving yourself closer and closer and closer to that. And obviously at the very beginning, you can't do that. But, um, you know, taking the steps to get there, I think is a big thing for sure.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I'll, I'll make this comment. I think anybody who thinks about raising taxes or putting another burden on a on a business owner ought to actually have to run a business and comply with all the, the silly things. <laughs> I mean, I'm all for helping people out and giving people a you know a, a hand when they need it. People run into times I've been there, you know. I mean, we all need help at some point, but it's crazy the amount yeah, of it- stuff that people to comply with everything. That's why people have human resource departments because they got to spend all this time trying to comply with all of it. It's 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 crazy. And the thing, I won't hire anybody else. It's me. I'm not going to grow my business beyond me because it's too much. So I've made that decision. Um, But people should, you know, like, oh, this is all good stuff. Yeah, it's a nice idea, but see what's on the back end of it. All right. End of soapbox.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, no. Yeah, no, I agree. It's good points. And yeah, yeah, I guess to to Tom's question, I mean, um, other something that I've used for a while software wise is uh, Zoho. And Zoho is like a business suite. So I actually do my business email through there. So that's how I have, you know, a custom email address, you know, at com, And um, I I use them for CRM as well. I think it's important to have a CRM system to keep track of all that stuff. And yeah. um, You can get started with that with Zoho for free. And then I think you have to pay based on how many users or there's some point like, you know, they have a free service. And then if you want more features, uh, you have to pay at a point. But I think it's a good place to start for that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, I mean, regardless of what software you use, I think the most important thing is just to be diligent about this stuff, you know, keep track of your invoices and your jobs and everything and keep track of, you know, everything in your CRM system and whatever system or software you have, use it. You know, actually, don't just let it you know fall to the wayside. No, yeah, de- yeah,
1: Definitely, because uh, I mean, you know, Uncle Sam doesn't care if it's just a hobby. If you're making money, <laughs> they still yeah. want their they still want their cut. I um, mean, yeah, you do not want to mess around with that. I talk about in my podcast a lot. I say, you know, voiceover is a fun business, but it's still a business and you, you need to treat it like one. Absolutely. Um, and, and just uh, just to piggyback on something you said, if you can reserve your name as a domain, get your own domain. Mm -hmm. I mean that, uh, that should, you know, grab your piece of the cyber real estate and, and hold on to it or do something as close as possible. Uh, You know, you need to own your your name. That's the other thing. that's the business tip too. You want to own that.
0: And even if you, you know, aren't quite at the point where you've set up your own website and you know, it's, it's on your list of to do things, but you haven't gotten there yet. You can still register the domain beforehand. You can, you know, just plant your flag there and, and grab the domain, and then when you do set up your website, you can uh, you know obviously direct it to your website. So yeah. if I uh, yeah you know if it's something you're serious about, it it's definitely a good idea to get a hold of your name. You don't want to have to pay somebody to get your own web address, or uh, you know have to use some kind of. Other web address that's not really ideal for your business or your name. Um, yeah, it's definitely a good idea to get on top of that for sure.
1: It's like nine bucks or something like that. I think. Yeah,
0: yeah. That's a thing, too. Yeah. It's not really expensive. Yeah. yeah.
1: And even if you change from voiceover down the road to butterfly collecting, <laughs> see what I <laughs> see what I did? Um, yeah, I got it. <laughs> you. You still you still have your domain. You know, you can change the whole layout.
0: <laughs> right, right yeah that's true yeah exactly the domain scheme, you scheme monarch <laughs> yeah you could uh, whatever you want to do to the website you could do it but the domain is there and you could uh direct it to whatever site you want butterflies voiceover whatever you got you do <laughs> absolutely thanks for playing um, <laughs> yeah no problem but um yeah so before we uh close things out is there anything else you want to add about anything any of our questions anything you got going on just uh any final words to sum things up
1: yeah, Just thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. And uh, thanks for reaching out to me. I'm honored that you would have me as a guest host on your podcast. It's 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 an honor. And, um, you know, thanks for putting the links. You know, the websites, johnmelly.com. That's M-E-L-L-E-Y.com. That's my voiceover website. And then there's the voiceovermarketingpodcast.com. And you can get that on itunes or stitcher or something else i guess <laughs> and oh, god knows and then uh the voiceoverathlete.com is a blog that i've started I've, I've been a little remiss lately but um i'm in the process of putting that book together and hopefully we'll have that out in the next few months and that that book's going to have a bunch of videos and demonstrations and stuff like that so uh those are i just got my trademark approved for that nice and awesome yeah so now you get the f- joy of defending it um but <laughs> <laughs> but no i'm excited about it it's a passion of mine um and uh just thank you and thanks to all the folks
0: who are listening awesome well no problem and uh, yeah i'll make it nice and easy for you guys so links to all that stuff will be in the show notes for you and uh yeah just want to say thank you again to john it's uh this was a really fun episode so thank you so much for being here appreciate it
1: you're very welcome Thank you.
0: All right, guys. Thank you so much for checking out episode seven. Uh, just to recap, you can get the show notes for this episode at voiceoverroadmap.com slash zero zero seven. There you will find links to all the different things that John and myself were discussing, as well as his website, his voiceover athlete blog, timestamps for the episode, and more information about the things that we discussed. And just a reminder, if you'd like to submit a question for a future episode, you can do that at voiceoverroadmap.com slash questions. And if you like the show and could leave a rating or a review on iTunes, that would be great as well. You could also listen to the show on YouTube or on the voiceoverroadmap.com website. So thank you guys so much for listening and we'll see you next week in episode eight.